You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Last week, we launched into our summer series that we're calling The Test. Everyone say The Test. And it's really looking at a series of character tests that we must all pass in order to fulfill the plan, the purpose that God has for each of us. And when we talk about character tests, our character counts. It really matters. Yesterday at the board training, we were onboarding three new board members here, and we brought in an outside guest to kind of uh, work with our board. Um, The number one thing that he talked about, he talked about seven factors for effective leadership. The number one thing was character. And he said that character can make or break an organization, and it's so true. He also said, uh, this is Doug Tuttle from Grand Rapids First, he said that character development must keep pace with skill development. So if you grow in your abilities and in your skills, your character needs to grow to match or to exceed that as well. Because without character, without the character of God on the inside of us, the truth is we're not going to go very far. We will not amount to much. But this summer, we're going to address some things that we all need to wrestle with. And we're basing this series, The Test, on the life of Joseph, the dreamer. And uh, and I've declared over us last week, and I will all summer long, that this is a summer of dreams. It's a summer of dreams for each of us. And I want to encourage you to dream. And for some of you, that means to not stop dreaming. For others of you, you need to dream again. And even others, I believe God is going to put a new dream into our hearts. See, Joseph is an incredible example. We're going to follow all summer long. He was a dreamer. And he was willing to share the word of the Lord in the midst of hatred and a family drama and all kinds of ups and downs. In fact, at the end of his life, he's talking to his brothers and he says, look, what the enemy, what you intended for for harm, God intended it all for good. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many. And so let's talk about dreams a little bit uh, here as we launch into the second week here. I believe everyone has a dream, an idea that sets your heart racing. And as I was thinking about that, and over the last couple of weeks, I've actually been singing this song a lot on bike rides or around the house. And Jessica said, you really need to look that up. You're not singing that right. And, uh, and so I did, and I, I, I looked it up. It's the song, I Have a Dream, from the movie Tangled. Any, um, any fans of the movie Tangled, right? No fans? Come on, who's, okay, all right, we got a few fans. Thank you, yes. There's a strong man that can, that can, um, uh, you got three girls. Come on, brother. Hey, say no more, say no more. But I was thinking, you know, that song, I did look it up, and it really doesn't start to take off until Rapunzel takes over. Because it starts off with these guys that are not so uh, good looking. They're saying, I've got a dream. And they're like, he's got a dream. He's got a dream. But when Rapunzel takes over, you look it up. Then that song it just takes off. And she sings, I've got a dream. She's got a dream. She's got a dream. Whatever. I, I just love it. I mean, I, I'll just listen to it all day long. 
And it just reminds me that we all have a dream. We all have a purpose, right? But sadly, so many people do not live up to their potential. And partly because they don't pass these character tests that we're going to discuss this summer. And when that happens, they get stuck. How many have ever been stuck before, right? And it reminded me of when I was a teenager. My, my buddies and I, we threw our mountain bikes. We were going on a mountain bike trip up in Traverse City. And so we took off from Detroit and all the way. And all our camping gear is in my truck. And, and I had an 84 Ranger. You'd like this. And uh, it was all painted with a Cadillac red. It was beautiful. Chromed out bumper. And then we put an engine from a Mustang in it and all chromed out. This thing was sweet. Put new rims, dual exhaust. It's actually probably in our head, in my head, nicer than it actually was. But it, it was it was my truck, and we took it, and all the way up, my buddies and I were like, "Oh man!" Every two track, we're like, "Oh man, we go. This thing would do great." It was only two wheel drive, by the way. <laughs> okay, and it's uh, and we're like, "Oh yeah, look at this!" And before we get to Traverse City, just outside of Traverse City, I'm like, "Forget it." We're doing it. And me and my buddy, and there were three of us in the car, in this truck, little, little Ranger. And we get off-road, and we're having a blast bouncing around or whatever. And that big V8 engine was making it through the dunes kind of. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, we kind of came down this little dip, and I punch it hard, and the wheels just light up, and I am sunk to the axle. And we got stuck. And that's what it reminds me of. Sometimes we get stuck in our life in our, with our character development. And I was thinking, and it took us, and this is not an exaggeration, three and a half hours. We had to unload the whole truck, dig it out, and it was a real pain. And partly because it sandblasted that paint job, and uh, I was upset. But we get stuck, right? And if we don't get stuck and we're not reaching our potential, maybe it's because... We don't dream big enough, right? And we've got some big dreams. It reminds me of the song that we grew up singing. If you're in church, my God is so big and so strong and so mighty. Does anybody remember that song? There's nothing, my God, he can't do for you. I was singing that first service, and Jessica said, you're singing it wrong. It's like a pattern with her. I don't know. I, I kicked her out. I said, go home. No, don't she... But, uh, but how many know that song? Yeah, will you sing it with me? My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God he can't do for you. My God is so big and so strong, so nothing my God he cannot do. Boom, boom. There you go. I See, we got a big God, and we need to be reminded of that. And so this summer, our encouragement is to do three things. Oh, and by the way, Pastor Bobby's on sabbatical, and the, that's the only reason I can get away with singing like this, because he always shuts me down. But he's not watching. It's today's his first Sunday on sabbatical, and he's not watching, and so I'm off to the races. I'm going to, on every point, I'm going to sing, sing my heart out. Yeah, yeah. I'll just sing the whole thing. What's that one? I showed up. What, what's that movie? I, sh what? I showed up to a movie. My family's like, hey, we got to go watch this movie, The Greatest Showman. And, and I didn't know anything about it. And literally, the music starts and bum, bum, whatever. And then he starts singing. I look down at my family 
I said, is this a musical? They all look at me. They're like, uh-huh. And I'm like, you guys bamboozled me. I'm not a big musical fan, but that was a good one. But anyway, what was I saying? Dreams. Oh, yeah. That, thank you. Yes. Thank you. This summer, we're going to do three things. Take a picture of it. Write it down in your Bible or in your journal. We're going to believe big. We're going to pray big. And we're going to receive big this summer. We're going to work on our character to do these things. Now, that little piece in the middle, we're going to pray big. We're going to overlap this sermon series on Sunday with what we're doing on Wednesday night with prayer. We're going to pray big prayers. In starting this Wednesday night, we're going to be going through the book, Draw the Circle. It's a 40-day prayer challenge. And so we're going to do that on Wednesday nights. And on Sunday mornings, we're going to be talking about dreams and about these character tests. And I believe it's just going to complement what God wants to do. And I want to encourage you, come on out on Wednesday nights. You're not going to miss it because when we're in the presence of God, we can differentiate between our dreams and God's dreams. I may have had a dream at one point, uh, I know it's a little embarrassing, to play in the NBA. I thought, oh man, that's, that's, that was my destiny. And God probably didn't have that dream. And at this point, it's certainly not a reality. But, uh, but our dreams are are developed over time, and this summer, God is going to do some things in and through our lives, personally and corporately, and so you're not going to want to miss it. Now, I say these dreams develop over time, and, uh, and that is certainly uh, a, the case. And for Joseph, his story is so relatable uh, to us. If you've ever experienced loss or been betrayed, you can relate to Joseph. Or if you've ever had a circumstance or the circumstance you're facing that's not as, as good as you thought it was going to be, you can relate to Joseph. Or if you've ever experienced a sudden reversal, you thought you're going one way, and then boom, there's a sidetrack, a bump in the road, a U-turn, you can relate to Joseph. Or if you've ever struggled with family members, uh, you can relate to Joseph as well. And let's dive into this story uh, in Genesis 37. This is where Joseph's story really takes off in the book of Genesis, verses 1 through 11. It says this, So Jacob settled in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers and his, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. And uh, remember last week we talked about the dysfunction in uh, Jacob's family and Joseph's family. And uh, I'm sure Bilhah and Zilpah were incredible women. But anyway, uh, but Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brother were doing. He's the youngest uh, at this point, and he reports these things. I want you just to think in your mind the wisdom that Joseph had at age 17. How many remember what it was like to be 17? I, I know, Eli, you are 17. Um, you'll relate to the story. And just as we continue, just think about the wisdom that Joseph had. It says in verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him late in his, or in his old age. And remember, and it wasn't not only that it was in his late age, it was to Rachel who he loved more than his other three wives. And he kind of messed up. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, 
a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Wow. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, Joseph said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed down before mine. Think about the wisdom, okay? All right. His brothers responded, so do you think you will be our king? Do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him, say this with me, all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have another dream, he said. The sun and the moon and the star, 11 stars, bowed low before me. This time he told his dream to his father as well as uh, to his brothers, uh, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is this, his father said. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, listen to this, his father wondered about the dreams and what they meant. The first test of the summer series is the test of pride. And I want to see about pride in this story. And I just want to say early on here that everyone must pass the pride test. The pride test, it's the original, original sin. Started with Lucifer, the angel in heaven that got kicked out, who became the devil, who became Satan. In Isaiah 14, it says, How you have fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, You who destroy the nations of the world. Why? Verse 13. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set up my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. That was Satan before he was kicked out of heaven. There was pride in Satan. It's what got him kicked out out of heaven. Adam and Eve, similar story in Genesis chapter 3. It says, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat of the tree, right? And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. It was pride, the original sin, Adam and Eve, that got them kicked out of the Garden of Eden. See, pride is an enemy. Proverbs chapter 16, 18 says pride goes before destruction. So in the other words, pride is the enemy of progress, right? And, it's, and then it says, and haughtiness before a fall. Pride destroys everything. Proverbs 16, 5, another verse, the Lord detests, he hates the proud. They will surely be punished. And so I just want to set that before you. Not, I mean, it's not a super encouraging verse, but the truth is we all have to pass the pride test. And if we have pride, the Lord hates it, and we will be punished because of the pride in our lives. See, pride says, I am better than you. 
in an extreme, you take it to an extreme, the physiological level, it's narcissism. And that's not even what we're going to talk about. That's a, that's a big trouble uh, for some. But pride, for the average person, is a sense of entitlement or a specialness or a superiority. And the big question that I want to wrestle with today is, did Joseph fail the first test of pride? And I would say, humanly speaking, because he was human just like we are, the answer would be yes. He certainly failed the first test at some point. And many scholars and pastors look at Genesis chapter 37 and would say, yes, we see in these verses, we see Joseph as a snitch. He's telling on his brothers. He was hated. And and because of that, Joseph got into his brothers' faces intentionally. Um, But So there's definitely people that will talk about that and preach about that and say, yes, this is a perfect example of pride in Joseph. But there are other commentators that would say Genesis 37 is not the case. In fact, one commentator, and I quote, says a straightforward reading of Genesis 37, 1 through 11 will yield no direct evidence that Joseph ever acted or responded toward any person or situation with pride. And so we got this Joseph, and we got this idea of pride. Is it just left to our interpretation? Or do we have to make assumptions to make it fit? Well, let's look at it. In chapter 2, or chapter 37, verse 2, let's look at what it says. It says here, when Joseph was 17 years old, remember that, in the wisdom, he often would tend his father's flocks. He worked on uh, it with his half-brothers. But Joseph reported to his fathers some of the bad things, a bad report that his brothers were doing. And you can infer to that. You're saying, yeah, he probably had some pride, right? But it's interesting. When you really study this, Scripture does not speak to Joseph's motive or his intent. So did Joseph give a bad report because he felt superior over his brothers? That would be speculation. Let's look at the next few verses, verse 3 and 4, the idea of the special coat, right? And then you kind of read through, and, and so one day there was a special gift made, a beautiful robe, this special coat. And it really is more about Jacob's favoritism that we talked about last week in our introduction. But you say, okay, did Joseph wear this coat with pride? And I would say that's not the point at all. There can be good pride, and we're not going to really focus in on that much. But I was thinking, if I gave my kids, um, you know, a, a special coat or something like that for Christmas or for their birthday, I would hope they would wear it with a sense of pride. Like, hey, my mom and dad, they, they got this for me, right? And so that's not really the point. The point is, what made the brothers hate Joseph so much? And the answer is, it wasn't the coat It was the nature and the purpose of the coat. And when you really study these scriptures, there's no proof that Joseph wore the coat to aggravate his brothers. And then you look at the dreams in verses 5 through 11, these wild dreams of uh, people bowing down. And I would just say, again, at 17 years old, he probably lacked some wisdom, yes, But I was thinking if my kids had a dream, both my kids are beyond 17, but in their young years, 
we would encourage dreams. As a mom and a dad, we want to hear their dreams, and we're going to try to support them and to do that. And it's funny that even at the end of our passage, it said that Jacob pondered these things in his heart. He wondered about this dream, even though he scolded him in the moment. And the thing is about dreams, there are dreams and visions all throughout Scripture And the only way those come to light is if they are shared publicly. And there's nowhere in Scripture where the dreamer is accused of pride. And so to say that Joseph was prideful because of his dreams, did Joseph fail the first test of pride? You're going to love this. This is the answer I have for you. No, yes, no. It's up to interpretation. And I think you could read it one way or the other. And, but the, the fact is the Bible never calls Joseph prideful. So why do so many people look at this passage and look at Joseph's life and say, oh, he struggled with pride, or why do they make those assumptions? Well, I can't speak for other pastors, other commentators. I can only speak for myself. And when I was reading this and laying out this sermon series, I really thought these dreams and understanding the dreams, that there was pride in Joseph's life. And I think that I see Joseph in this way because I see pride in in myself and others who have dealt with it. We all have to overcome pride. We all have character flaws. We all have shortcomings, and pride is at the top of the list. Just share my story a little bit, and this is somewhat embarrassing, um, and this is no fault of my parents. Uh, Mom and Dad, if you're watching, uh, certainly this is not. But when I look back at my upbringing, uh, and I didn't really identify this until my 30s uh, with, a, with a mental health counselor, but I, I would look back and reflect that I think I thought I was better than other people when I was growing up. Judgment on others' behaviors. Maybe someone that's less fortunate or less blessed or maybe someone that didn't work as hard as I did. And I'm curious about your story with pride because we all have one. You know, who do you look down on? Maybe it's, you know, someone that gets lesser grades or someone that's not as talented or someone that needs social assistance in some way or someone that's really messed up their life for, for whatever the reason. Or maybe someone that gets involved in drugs or alcohol and you say, oh, I'd never do that. See, we all have thoughts of pride. Am I right? Yeah. And, and by the way, I'm glad that, the script, that Scripture provides a level playing field at the cross. And really, that's where we want to bring today to is to the cross. See, my story, I think that you would like the 17-year-old version of Ben Vey. Um, I think so, but I'm not so sure. I'm not 100% because at 17, and uh, Jessica earlier was just nodding her head, saying, yep, that's right. Uh, I was confident. I was probably overconfident, um, and you might even use the word arrogant to describe my behavior. Um, I used to, when I was a teenager, I would go around, and I've never shared this from the pulpit, I don't think. Uh, I've shared it privately, but I, I would go around and tell people, you know who I am, right? I'm Ben Vey. And then just keep on going. And I, and I, th- I think back, like, what? 
possessed me to do that as a teenager. I don't know. It's crazy. But I would do that. And it was not good. In fact, in college, I, uh, this is after I was married, and I took an ethics class. It was in my last semester. And that, shortly after that, um, we were with Jessica's parents, and, uh, and I was quick to bring home my newfound knowledge to Jessica's dad, who was an established businessman in town and had a great business. And, uh, and I don't know if you remember this, Dad, uh, but I, I was challenging him on his ethics in business as a 19 or 20 year old kid. Do you remember that? Maybe. No, thank goodness. You've forgiven me. But I, it was ugly. I remember Jessica saying, what is wrong with you? Uh, why would you talk to my dad like that? And it was pride. And the truth is, pride is an enemy. It creeps in, right? And it's something we all have to deal with. And the real problem is that pride cannot coexist with a proper reverence of who Jesus is, who, of a holy God. You just can't. And because of that, we all need some character refinement. And that's what we're doing this summer. We all must pass the pride test. And I must under, we understand that Joseph you know, probably understood this. But let's talk about the pride test. See, uh, this test is a little different than a, a test at, at school where you get an A, B, C, D, E, or F. No, 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 no. That's not how the pride test works. You either get a pass, no fail. You either get a pass or you get a redo, if you know what I mean. And you may have to redo it over and over and over until you learn. And the reason I think God designs the pride test in this way is because we all have a great destiny. The biggest dreams that God places in our hearts require strong character. And even if and when we do pass the pride test, which is possible, it's kind of like math class. How many of, you, of us passed first grade math? Come on. Uh, come on. Anybody? Is, is there anyone that's willing to uh, say that they didn't pass first grade math? <laughs> okay. But what happened after first grade math? You had to pass second grade math and then third grade math and fourth grade math and then algebra and trigonometry and calculus and who knows what comes after that, right? And that's the way it is. With each pass test, or past test, comes greater understanding and responsibility around pride. So what we're going to do, we're going to all participate. you got to participate. And if you're online, I want you to participate with a thumbs up, okay? Just in the chat, give a thumbs up. We'll know you're with us. Uh, I want you to raise your hand if you have ever dealt with pride in your life. Come on. All right, okay. All right. Just checking out. If your hand is not up, you may have a pride problem that you haven't dealt with. But leave it up. Leave it up. Because now a second question. Who has dealt with pride more than once? Come on. Put your other hand up. All right. I see you waving. If you're online, you can't see this. But there's hands everywhere here. And we're in good company. Okay. All right. So the question is, how do we overcome this first test of character? Well, we need to understand the root cause. And Robert Morris, in the book that we're basing the series off of, he says that the root of pride is insecurity. Very interesting. If there's pride in our heart, there's insecurity in our souls. 
And with every new level of responsibility comes a new level of insecurity. And I was thinking about that and just reflecting on that, that when I moved here to West Michigan, I was a children's pastor previous uh, at a a good, healthy church uh, in Dayton, Ohio, eight and a half years there. And and I look back, and I know you always look back, it seems like things were always green and up, you know. But it was a pretty good first church experience for me. And uh, we were there a long time, Jessica and I were. We started our family there. And and I look back, and it was like, man, everything seemed to click there. I worked for a great pastor uh, that really loved us and cared for us, and was we had some good protection there. And then we moved here to West Michigan, and I, I've told the story, our first Sunday, 59 people, including kids, and, and uh, it, was, it was rough, and I, I'm, I don't have the covering of a, a lead pastor. Now I am the senior pastor, and, uh, and I was full of ego and pride, and, and I, was, I was not quick to admit that I needed help in any area. And uh, I actually talk about uh, going from Dayton to here, about going from hero to zero. I, that's what I felt like. And really, that was the insecurities inside of me that were really brought to the attention uh, at that point. And the, the, the point is, is that when you're insecure, you don't understand who you really are, who you're, what your identity should be based in. And with pride, we need to know who we are in Christ, number one, and where we've come from, who we are. So how do we know if we're making progress in these areas? How do we know if we're making progress saying, okay, yeah, I know who I am in Christ, and I know where I've come from, and I'm dealing with the pride. Well, Robert Morris says, when we pass the pride test, he says, we can be a nobody or do nothing and still be confident, content, and at peace. Why? Because the greatest joy in our lives comes from knowing Jesus. That's how you know. And in Joseph's story, now that I've sat with this and really wrestled with did Joseph have pride or not, I really see over and over in Joseph's life humility. He was a person of humility. I really believe that. Because no matter where Joseph landed, whether it was in a pit or being sold or in the palace, uh, he remembered who he was and where he had been. In fact, I want to encourage us as we move forward in this story uh, over the next uh, few weeks and months here in the summer to have that perspective, to remember who, that Joseph remembered who he was and where he came from. And all the way through, in fact, I reread the story this uh, in its entirety with that focus, and I want to encourage you to do. Because over and over, we see Joseph, he's humble. He's giving God credit when he's in prison and interpreting these dreams. And the bottom line is, I believe that Joseph passed the pride test. And I don't know if you would agree with me, but I believe he passed the pride test. Now, Joseph's story has been written. It's in the book. We can read it, reread it. But today, our stories are still being written. We're still putting pen to paper and our story is being written. And the truth is, is that you and me being great in some way is not God's purpose. Think about it. Our purpose is to bring glory to him, not for us to be great. 
for us to be a blessing, to be used by God. And in order for that to happen, there needs to be some character refinement in all of us. See, I'm convinced God has a big dream for us personally and corporately. And God will persevere to get rid of anything that would stand in the way of his plan. And so we must all pass this pride test. Pastor Doug, if you'd join me. I believe that God is at work. He's working in us and through us in this season. Um, I've declared, and I'll continue to speak it over us, that this is a summer of dreams, and I want to encourage you to dream big. But the bottom line, and I want you to write this down or, or understand this, is that you cannot fulfill your purpose, your dream, with pride. And so this morning, I'm going to bring you face-to-face with the pride in your life. And some of you would say, yeah, I passed that, that test. But with every new opportunity, there's a different level of humility that's needed. And I just want to encourage you that today we have an opportunity to stand face-to-face with the pride that we are experiencing or may experience in this season. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning or this afternoon at this point. If you're here today and you're saying, you know, pastors, you're talking, I really want to pass this character test, to pass the test of pride. In other words, I want to live my life with humility. If that's you, I want you just to lift your hand right where you are. No one's looking around at this point. Just if you're saying, man, I want to be a person that's humble, that's, um, that I would deal with the pride, that I could pass this test. Yeah, awesome. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask everyone to stand up now. And that what I want, to, want you to, to know is that I'm going to ask you to take a step for those of you that raised your hands and maybe even those that didn't. But we're going to give you an opportunity to face your pride face to face. What I want to do is I'm going to encourage you in just a moment, I'll stop talking, is for you to move from where you are, slide out to the, to the uh, aisles or come forward, or you can turn and kneel at your, at your seat. But I want you to change your position if you raised your hand saying, you know what? I want to deal, I want to conquer the pride in my life in this season. I want to be a person of humility. And what I want you to do is I want you just to ask the Lord for his help to deal with those insecurities and to do that. You say, do I have to step out? Do I have to make a move? Well, what would hold you back? Maybe pride. And I want you to kick the devil in the teeth, and I want you to do that. So... We'll bring the lights a little low, and I just want to encourage you just to make your way to the aisles or come forward, turn and and, uh, kneel where you are. I want you to change your position, and then I just want you to ask the Lord to help you in this season with your pride right where you are. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Oh, God, you're moving in this place, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that you reveal, God, to us, Lord, where we're, we have shortcomings, God. 
we struggle in this area, oh God, speak to our hearts, God. Bring us face to face, God. Reveal. And Lord, I just pray that, that even if we don't initially see like that we struggle, God, show us areas in this season where this is a character area that needs some shaping, some refining. Oh, God, we want to be shaped and molded by you. Lord, I pray, speak to us, God. Show us, God, where we struggle, where we have shortfall. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask everyone just to stay right where you are. No one moving at this point other than the worship team. I'm going to ask that you would come. And as we come at this point, I want you just to uh, ask. the. What I want to do is create an opportunity for us to worship from a place of humility. And the song we've chose to end with today speaks to the truth that God, he never leaves us, he never forsakes us, that he's a good God and he cares for us. And so let's worship the Lord and uh, let's do that together. And uh, let's just by show of hands, let's lift our hands to the Lord all across the place as we're ready to worship God. Thank you, Jesus. Speak to our hearts. Continue to work, Lord, in this place, God. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's sing it together. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.